I feel like I'm told to go and just say, hey, you mind if I pray for you real quick? Or, hey, you, you here, take this Bible or something, right? Mm. And I'm just like, nah, that's not, you know, that's probably nothing. I don't need to do that or I'm busy or whatever else. Then, oh man. Wow, that is loud. What yeah. is that? Yeah. Is that that's a helicopter? the helicopter, the zombie apocalypse is starting. That was great. So. Hi there. Welcome to No Experience Required, the podcast where quite literally no experience is required, although some is applied. As we talk about various topics, uh, ranging from technology to theology and personal anecdotes and hot button issues, we are your hosts, Stephen and Chase. Wow, you've been practicing that. I have. That was really good. On my drive here, yeah. Just said it in the mirror repeatedly. I was like, I can't forget anything. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're fortunate enough to be joined by Stephen Baranis. And this won't get confusing, so I don't know how we're going to work it out. But. I was hoping for the Stephen with the PH, but I, that's know, already been I taken. specifically didn't say Stephen with the PH. No, oh, really? Yeah. Man, what a host, this guy. I, the host with the most. That's so nice. Because you are Stephen with the PH. You're, and you are as well. I am. We both are. Yeah. And you're older than me, so. Mm. So I am. Seniority there. You are the Stephen with a PH. I am. You are Stephen with a PH. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, man. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is, um, I was very excited when you all reached out and invited me. Um, it was very welcoming. The fact that the podcast is called no experience required because of course going on any podcast, you expect yourself to have some semblance of knowledge on something, Not this, but it being called no experience required. I felt very welcome to come and share my no experience. Absolutely. That's exact. That was the thought process. We said, what person with like the least experience (laughs) out there can we find? To get yeah. on our show. <laughs> well, I'm here. <laughs> Ask thought, none of the questions <laughs> and get none of the answers. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Anything you want to share? So um, I live in this town with Stephen and Chase. We, how, how, how much are you guys disclosing about? Everything. Everything, yeah. Our so assumption we, is still we'll have no, no success in this. Really, I mean... Yeah. Feel free to share whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I do a number of things here in town for for my livelihood. I sell real estate as the primary uh, factor, and I've got a couple other things that I also do. Um, I would say that's probably most of my identity at this moment <laughs> is making money and trying to stay afloat. <laughs> um, you know, you can have a shameless plug if yeah. you want to advertise. Your- <laughs> yeah. So I would say, yeah, I pretty much. Um, well, the things I'm into, I suppose that's also relevant. Um, I play music. That's something I'm still into, as you guys nice. probably remember. Oh, yeah. um, I'm tall. That's part of my identity. Me How as tall well. are you? Yeah. Let, look, we should tell, look, we I should say what them. our heights are. We should, what, <laughs> why? why? I don't I mention that give, because everybody I else mentions that. People. We're going to be on video one day. We might as well get get this info. No. Oh, I have commitment right there. Okay. So you're how tall? (laughs) Actually, I'm six foot. That's a lie. (laughs) You are not six foot. I'm going to just say that when people ask me that from now on. No, I'm six seven. Oh, my goodness. That's my true 
That's not that cool. I can reach the things, the, the cereal box in the back, which is Yeah. Do you cool. know how cool that sounds to me? <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, find pants for sale anywhere. I either. also can't. Not for that reason. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> Chase and I found out we wear like the same length of like pants. Oh, lucky. You strange. guys could like swap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, although I'm double the size, you know, horizontally. No. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're going there, all right, I'm five foot five. So you are one foot and two inches taller than me. That sounds insane to me. I gave yeah. you, I walked up to you on side today and like gave you a hug. And it was like, I was meeting with my dad when I was a like kid again, like <laughs> hug around the waist. Uh, to be fair, I kind of, I kind of went in for the hug. You went for the handshake. That was good. It's yeah. all right. I just go in for the hug always now. Yeah. I Is think that standard we, operating I think Jason and I had that issue early on and... And then the next time we'd see each other, he'd go in for the hug and I'd go in for the handshake. And then yeah, so what do you guys, like, what's what's your, what's the standard op now? Do you guys, when you see each other? Oh, no, we're just still awkward. Yeah. They're still. Yeah, that's basically. Well, sometimes we don't 12. say hi at all. <laughs> <laughs> just ignore him. Right? See him at the grocery store. It goes right. from extreme passionate hugging to just like, just a little head nod from across oh, the room. What yeah. a roller coaster of physical yeah. emotion. Every we're, time. We're, it's just a surprise. No matter yeah. when I see It's spontaneous. You know? mm-hmm. I keep keep exciting. the chemistry alive. Yeah. It's great for relationships. And bro And bro ships. Bro Yeah. Right. So what else about you? We're talking about me. Um, well, Stephen hasn't shared his height. I'm a really mundane average. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I guess we maybe we're just gonna have a segment where we all just share our heights now. That's, that's how we <laughs> now, if you want to share weight, <laughs> I can really <laughs> embarrass myself. <laughs> no, yeah, man, like I, we've known you for I've, I've probably known you for about 10 years now, yeah, uh, maybe just a little bit longer than 10 years. Uh, we both moved to Flagstaff around the same time. Right, yeah. Yeah, and then I think Chase moved out of Flagstaff right when we got here. And yeah. I had no relationship with Chase for those 10 years, really. It yeah. was There's no correlation there. It just was coincidence. Right. He's like, two <laughs> Stevens in the same town? He's like, I'm out of here. Better join the yeah. Marines. <laughs> I heard some of the first thoughts of when I met you guys. With y- you, Stephen, it was PH. I was like, because <gasps> I did not meet anybody else there with a PH, Stephen. Yeah, that was very special yeah, to me. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. I'll always remember And then that. Chase, I remember. Now, I've listened to all your all's episodes, and I'm not trying to puff you up or flatter you in any way. So <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to do. But I remember your arms were very large. <laughs> I remember noticing how big your arms are. I was like, what in the world does this guy do? <laughs> very fitting. Yeah. Well, now, now, the roles are reversed. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> now it's uh, now it's all relative, and you realize I wasn't that big. And um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think your arms are as big as my torso right now. Stop. I'm not. There we go. Get you, man. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the first time I saw you guys, uh, let's see. Are we doing I'm, first impressions? Yeah, I guess so, since we've already started. The first impression of Steven so was I, I thought you were way older than me. Um, yeah, that's that was it. I just yeah. didn't realize. Yeah. And I don't know. I think you guys got up to sing the first time I saw you guys. My sisters would have done that, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think the obvious one was like, man, that guy's tall. I that, was, yeah, man, that was, we were all kids. Yeah. We were. We've been like 16 or something. 
I don't remember any of you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, similar. I, I think we met, and then there was some weird mutual connection there. We both knew the same person. Yeah. She had met you earlier. She had met you first, and then she told me, hey, there's this guy I think who's going to be going to your church. And I was oh, like, yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. Um, this yeah. web we weave with the people we know. Yeah. Can, yeah. I'm like, that would have been a good segue right there, but uh, it was a segue. <laughs> oh man. He's trying to help us out. Yeah. I'm like, do the, the sparkly sound. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. And uh, now here we are reconnecting and, and recording this episode. Yeah. And I mean, I'm pretty stoked. Our lives have unfolded in so many different ways, you know, unpredictably so, I would say, you know. Yeah, I think Flagstaff's kind of a weird place. When I was younger, it seemed a lot smaller. And as I've gotten older, and especially since I've come back, you forget that the people are living in the same town. And really, there's no excuse not to get back together and hang out. And then it's just time has gone by. And you're like, man, I haven't seen that person forever. Right. How much of that person do you know still, you know? Like, do I know the 20-year-old Chase? Or did I even know the 20-year-old Chase? Or 18-year-old Chase, or however old everybody was? I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure you've changed quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) what was that supposed to be? No, (laughs) no. I remember the chase I first met. You're very different. Really? That's a good thing, I would hope, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you were pretty great. That was really high pitched for a. uh, For a man. Yeah. No, no. It's like, oh, yeah, he's doing better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what we all can aim for, right? That's all we can really. Yeah. Hope to be better than we were yesterday. Exactly. In some way. Yes. I'm still stuck on my notes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I changed the covers to mine and Chase's notes because you had one and we didn't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I put. You can put emojis on there uh, and yeah, all kinds of cool things. You were having fun with with our notes. I did have fun. That's true. So I put a little monkey staring into a mirror for for Chase's, and I completely forgot. So when I pop my notes open right now, I, I have this what horrendous image. What of, is that? Of like uh, the person at a, at a sitting in a dentist <laughs> dental chair, and uh, the teeth look a little crazy, but. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, excited to have you, man. We're we're pretty stoked to to be doing this well, with you. Thank you very much. I feel yeah. very special, honestly. Yeah. yeah, privileged. You should. We'll let you keep thinking that. <laughs> I will. Good. No, it is great. I and then um, <clears throat> when Stephen brought it up, and Stephen, oh goodness, here we go. Yeah, Already, this is going to be you a know, problem. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> you can just how, call how me Broadus. Everybody calls me Broadus. Really? Huh. Yeah. All right. I think we'll still. Go, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel right. I, yeah. I think we need to just, uh, we Steve just need, him, a, one of us needs to die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just need to fight to the death. Yeah. <laughs> you become the new host immediately. I'm Steven Alpha. Yeah. Steven's been trying to replace me for forever, but really then he gets replaced in the end. <laughs> yeah, superior Steven. <laughs> Steven superior. Oh, that's yet to be proved yet, so yeah. we'll see over the course of this next however long. No, but you, uh, so Steven brought it up to me that you wanted to come on uh, the podcast and which is still mind blowing to me that people actually one listen and two then actually want to engage and be on it, but it's great. And you wanted to bring up a topic of what I'll let you talk about a little bit and why you wanted to do it. Cause it's, I'm pretty interested in hearing this myself. Yeah. So, um, I went to lunch with Ryan actually, you know, Stephen M's brother-in-law and we got into some great conversations about all kinds of stuff as they sprawl out, you know, he's great for that. Yeah. We talked about the podcast, of course, time right. travel theory, which he and, was on. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, he was like, I was on his episode as we were in the middle of it when we went to lunch and he was like, Oh my gosh, we're having such a great time talking. You should go on the podcast with them. I was like, Oh my God, I couldn't do that. But then I was like, well, no experience required. I can fulfill that quota. 
my CV fits that. And, um, and then Steven reached out and then he asked me for a topic and immediately I was kind of taken aback. I was like, Ooh, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to talk about. Right. But then I started thinking about it. I gave it a couple of days, marinated on it for a bit. And I thought about these two fellows that I'm here with Chase and Steven and how they, um, what, what, uh, role they, they filled in my life, you know, mm-hmm. at a certain time mm-hmm. I moved here when I was what, like 18 or something. And I was immediately put into kind of prescribed into this community where Chase was at first. And then Steven came later on and, um, just kind of shoehorned ourselves into this church and everything. And it was a very, um, strange experience being around a bunch of people who knew each other, you know, cause mm-hmm. I remember of course, Chase, you got lots of cousins here and family and all that stuff. True. Being put into that and being an outsider, you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. You know, but it felt the the way you guys welcomed our whole family was something I'm never going to forget. You know, the whole mm. church did just open arms, you know, embraced, well, it, mostly embraced everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me that look and I was like, I'm what sorry. am I forgetting here? No, okay. It was all a great experience. It was all amazing, right? And um, I just loved, I, I loved kind of jumping into that and seeing what a a church that works and a family that works and everybody works together. And I liked being, seeing that, you know, right. Firsthand anyway. So I was starting to think about that. And then I was like, you know what, that's actually ties into some other things that have been on my mind for years now. Mm-hmm. And that is how the people around us affect us and the decisions we make, how much of these decisions we make on our own are really actually attributed down the line to the people that surround us, you know, mm-hmm. like, why did I do this? Is it because of the people that I surround myself with or is it my own decision? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. And I think uh, I was thinking about, um, about other folks that I've talked about this to. And I used to clean windows and there was a fellow there who, um, whenever religion came up, mm-hmm. he would always claim himself as being Catholic mm-hmm. and everybody in a, kind of a labor type job. It gets mm. pretty close after a few years, right? Right. You BS with each other, you're sitting yeah. in trucks and things like that. So I, of course, would tease people about anything and um, ask him like, oh, because I myself having some experience with religion, I would want to know about their theology and how do you see this mm. and how does the Catholics interpret this? And I came to find out that he really didn't know anything at all. Mm-hmm. And But yet he would fervently claim himself as being Catholic and then um, that was my first experience with that. And I was very puzzled, you know, mm. I was like, well, why, if you're not practicing and you're not going to mass, look at this cool church on the top of the hill over on yeah. Ponderosa Park. Like, Hey, if I was Catholic, I'd be going there like every, every moment I could, you know, like, <laughs> right. it's a cool place. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so it came to the point where I was just asking him, questioning him a lot about it. He's like, man, I don't know. He's like, my parents are Catholic. Mm. They came from Mexico and, They've always been Catholic. They baptized me Catholic. I will always be Catholic until the day I die. I'm going to be buried Catholic. You know, I went to his dad's funeral and he was buried Catholic. And I was like, well, why do you, why do you do this? You know, why are you claiming this? And, um, that's always puzzled me. And, but it's, it's a community that he's not part of, but it's one that he claims. And I don't know if it's, well, I I really don't know why that is, Right. but it's always kind of fascinated me. And, um, more recently, I had another experience kind of like that where somebody that I know, me and my girlfriend were out paddleboarding with one of her friends and, um, she seems like a total, really fun gal, totally Mm -hmm. secular, seemingly Mm -hmm. fun, loving gal, you know, Mm -hmm. and we were out paddleboarding and she, and Andy mentioned something about going to, um, 
lunch or dinner or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, no, I can't do that. It's Passover and I can't eat these things. Mm. And I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, Hot twist. Right. And I don't know her well enough to really dig into the questions. Of like, why are you observing this? Like, do you really believe in these things? What does it mm. do for you? Mm. And now all this started to just kind of form this, this amalgam of, of idea and intrigue and mm. thought of why people subscribe themselves to these groups. Mm-hmm. What does it do mm-hmm. for them? Mm-hmm. And, 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 to, and to that extent, it doesn't even have to be all religious. I can understand some of that. You know, there's maybe some kind of a deeper set um, belonging why right. people want to do that. Yeah. But you also see it very popular in political ideologies. You know, yeah. Oh, people yeah. are, hey, I'm blue and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's all I care oh, about. Yeah. Or I'm red and that's it. Right. And I feel it's kind of the same. Yeah. Uh, some flavor of the same type of yeah. thing going on there. Yeah. And I've been curious about that. And yeah. then I've wrapped that around to you guys being a big community for me. And that's what brought up the idea of community. Yeah. I mean, that is such a, it's first off a really great topic. And especially like the way you were kind of thinking about it and those kind of experiences that you had, because obviously it community, not just the word, but community for what it is. It's something that's so integrated. Right. And we're, we're all part of some type of community. And so we don't think about it much. Right. I think we, we do, um, what we feel led to do and what convicts us and what makes us happy and, and whatever fulfills us in whatever kind of checkbox you want to check those off on. And so to stop and actually think about, well, what kind of community am I a part of and why do I subscribe to that kind of, you know, thinking or those types of communities is honestly such a great topic. And so, yeah, when I started doing some homework into this, I knew you guys, um, you know, had obviously had some notes and, and different things like that. And I'm sure we're going to cover quite a bit today because it is such a, yeah, it's pretty broad. Yeah. It's a very, very broad topic. <laughs> <laughs> we need, we need to, do the, um, <laughs> that's what, um, oh, I missed it. <laughs> no, it's all good. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> um, we got a poor producer. Forget him. <laughs> no, the sound guy. Yeah, he's behind the curtain. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he fell asleep. Um, no, but yeah, it's a great topic, and it's something I definitely, I'm really interested in hearing your guys' take on, and I'm, I, I'm sure we'll have a different perspective on the, on some of these things, but mine, I think mine's going to be a little bit different take. Really? Yeah. I'm excited to hear that. Yeah. I think there's... Um, so cool. <laughs> the, the only free thinker here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're... Uh, when I first initially thought of it um, in community, it just seems something that's so innate to people. And there's some great parts to it and aspects to it that are fascinating because I, I you said that community seems to be just something that we do, but I, I think more and more these days community is becoming something larger right and it started this the terminology online was like oh you find your online community you find yeah. these things that you relate to so i think it plays a lot into it and we'll get more in depth into the different areas and we'll see where it goes but it's i think it's a very um a part of human nature and such a deep part of the human experience as a whole yeah um and it, yeah, it's so broad and so in depth that it might be hard to cover at all, but I'm really excited mostly to hear the different thoughts on what you have. Cause I think just my initial thoughts are like, Oh yeah, that's, that seems this natural connection. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything really to even figure out 
really. It's just something to kind of explore through yeah. this rhetoric, you know? Like, we know nobody's an island. We know people are social creatures. Mm-hmm. Animals do this a lot, too, right? We can yeah. see chimpanzees or or deer and things like this. And for different reasons, some of them do it for security, I guess. Yeah. Wolves do it, I suppose, mm-hmm. for, for more security and hunting purposes. And part of that, I suppose, we do as well in early human stages, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's... <clears throat> There is something that's called Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. and it basically was a theory and is has criticisms, but it's you know fairly widely adopted that you know humans have these specific types of needs, and it starts out with um, each base level, and starting out with just physical needs is going food, sleep, shelter, that kind of stuff, um, then safety, uh, and that's just the need for avoiding danger and having protection. And then the third one is are these need of, ranked in importance or like yeah they're yeah. they're ranked oh. in that it's like the base need is the physical need right you oh, start okay. out and then you build on that that I you see. need food shelter sleep that mm. stuff first because otherwise you'll die immediately then safety avoiding danger to do that stuff but then also the third one which is interesting there's several afterwards which is the need of belonging and love and mm. that's that connection. Um, that humans need uh, to feel like they belong to something, right, and have a quote-unquote tribe or have some sort of relation. And um, it's this is from, like, 1940s, and it's, like I said, it's been built on a little bit before, but it's, yeah, it, it's definitely just an innate part of what we all do. Whether we think about it or not, we tend to look for commonalities in that we're going to look for just some sort of connection at first. And you had some great points of laying out where that can be work or it can be mm-hmm. school or it can be something like, um, that's innate to you like skin color, or it can be your religious beliefs and all of these different things have, uh, different weights to that, that relation. Right. And, yeah. and it plays heavily into then who you grow into as a person. Mm-hmm. Heavily. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a pretty interesting um, principle, and it's actually one that the company I work for heavily um, integrates into their work culture. Mm-hmm. So it's like something we actually have to be like. We go to classes and we learn about it. And, oh, really? Um, and it's a great principle. And I think, like Chase was mentioning, when you can have the most basic needs of survival met you know what comes after that and yeah it's usually a sense of of belonging and that's when you're able to seek that out because obviously if you're fighting for survival nothing else is as important as just trying to make it out you know to the next day alive um so yeah it's pretty interesting so from my perspective and i'd be happy to hear your thoughts on it i think people follow often the path of least resistance so when they look for those connections, they just immediately look for the service things and that's how they build that. So that need is there innately that they need to connect to something and then they will just follow whatever is uh, starting with the most surface of just whatever they find that connection in. So it can be work. It can be schools. It can be um, something very just like, oh, that person looks like me, something else. Yeah. And once they find that, then they'll start building on that. But after that, other things get weighted differently in that, like, um, the things that become more important, more core to you, like your, your values and your belief systems, when those become, when those start to come in conflict, right? So you can have a work community and that's great. But as soon as you start introducing things like that are more personal, like your values and your belief systems, those things come into conflict. Suddenly the weight of which community you start doing, we automatically begin to take sides. We automatically begin to separate out. It's really interesting because community is such a powerful thing, but at the same time, there's 
a lot of um, things that come with that and that cause us to respond in certain ways. Like, like the organization itself is good and can be used for positive. However, it also draws a lot of lines and barriers and creates barriers, sometimes unnecessarily, sometimes importantly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the way I see a lot of the connections made at first. And um, yeah. That's an interesting thought. It sounds like you're kind of delineating the different social groups that one is part of. You have a work group, you have a church group, you've got an online community. Um, if you're a gamer or, or a forum mm-hmm. poster or something like that. But would it be just as effective if all those were mixed and you could find the people who were receptive to all kinds or um, not receptive, but who, who could um, look past any differences? Mm. Like you said, your people at work, you guys talk about this Maslow's thing and mm. or how, what, what is your relationship with your people at work? Like, could you bring up personal things to them and be OK, you think? Yeah, I think with some of them, I could at some least. of them, and maybe that's just because we've built a friendship beyond just work and so outside of work, right? And so you know, but it's still—I mean, we met through work and we're at work. Um, but I think once you build a relationship that goes beyond just the um, common interest or hobby or work or whatever yeah. it might be, um, then you learn to value that friendship more than what differences you might have, right? And I think that's the thing about community is being able to not because obviously communities a big thing about it is yes finding groups where you're find similar people right yeah but i think another big part of that is also finding people who aren't similar to you because if you're just looking for an echo chamber right and you're just looking to um you know like confirmation bias or someone who who is exactly like you and there's no growth right and there's no different perspective you can't be challenged anyway and so I think a big part of a successful community is one that can have slight differences, right? I think if they're too extreme, you might probably have some right. <laughs> major issues. Um, but yeah, I, and I think that's a little bit part of at least my personal community of work friends, church friends, family, where I, I can um, be able to interact with each of those a tiny bit and right. still have core values of my own. You said successful community. That mm-hmm. kind of struck me. What what would qualify as a successful community? What is how is that defined? Are we defining success? Are we defining the direction that a community goes into? Or like, yeah, I don't know about that. Is it just the cohesion? Is it just so? What are your thoughts? What do you think a successful community is? Just off the top of your head, what's your gut feeling? I would say a successful com- community. Um, you could draw some pretty good parallels in the corporate world. Microsoft is a successful community of working people, mm-hmm. you know, or IBM or some of these other big tech companies um, for that, for their prescribed pur- purpose, which is making money or maximizing shareholder wealth, probably mm-hmm. what they say. Right. Um, They're being very successful at that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's a bit too big of a scale. Maybe I'm not sure. No, it's actually, I think a pretty good example. And, and I think, why that example works is because although the individual employees themselves are a diverse group of people, mm-hmm. there's a common goal that they're working toward. Yeah. Right. So I think when, when you think about a community in that sense, if you have a common goal that you can work toward, then they can at least work towards that. And they might have differing opinions. They might have different ways of going about it, but the goal is still the same for everyone. Right. So I think when you, when you're saying, when you were asking about why I consider my you know, circle of friends or whatever, um, or that I use successful community. I think 
once, because we all have different lifestyles, obviously. Yeah. Um, but at least for me, my circle of friends, it's like, well, when they need something, when they need help, when they need a shoulder to cry on, when they need, you know, and sometimes it's not even that deep. Sometimes it's just like, hey, let's just go out on a hike or let's just, you know, have some kind of recreational thing. And it ticks off all these different boxes. But um, then there is a, a point where, if their goal is to be destructive or, you know, sure. going down a path that is even maybe self-destructive, then at some point, yeah, I think you could draw lines and boundaries. Um, and maybe they're cut out of that community, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. So in that definition, then, community sounds like people that you can re- people that you can rely on to support you and that they can rely on to support them, but yeah. reciprocally. right. I think it's a mix. I think it's, is that, is that what makes community or is that a benefit community? Mm. Well, what makes a community, I guess it's just more than, I would say yeah. three people. You say three people makes community? I would say more than three. I more than say. three? <clears throat> yeah. So you don't think that you can have like a community of two people? No. <clears throat> Why is that? Well, because it's. And that's just oh, a relationship at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's a relationship <laughs> yeah. at that point. That's a little something, a little more intimate at that point. Right. You know, your thoughts and your words are directed at each other. There's no misunderstandings between groups. You take three people in there and you can still operate, you know, as a as a pretty uh, tightly knit mm-hmm. uh, mindset in that realm. But I would say, yeah, once it gets to four people, you start getting a little bit of... I don't know. You could insert some suspicion or like if you have a goal, it's easier to think of this place right. in the, in the context of a goal, right? Like it's, I always like to think of it in, if you're on a, a desert Island, not a desert, but an Island way out in the mm-hmm. ocean. Okay. It's mm-hmm. got water. It's got fresh water in the middle. It's got coconuts and bananas mm-hmm. and whatever else islands have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, two people on that Island, they can, you know, delegate jobs, Right. Three people, yeah. At some point, you're going to reach a critical mass where you're going to need to have some type of system, some type of system, some type of government, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know why I say four people is that point. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I would expect that four people, you have people of such a different range of capabilities, you know? Hmm. You know, two people, we're both probably going to go hunting together. We're going to gather, you know. Well, let's use us for example. Yeah, there we go. The three of us right now, we're still on an island. We're not a community. Uh, how would that, don't right. rely on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like you start, like, I don't know, I think it just gets, there's more um, complexity and intricacy with yeah. the larger the group. There you go. And differing opinions and, yeah. And differing mm-hmm. interests and goals, you know? Right. And, and it also depends because because community is so broad, you know, what kind of community you're talking about. You're talking about a, t- a town, a literal community of, of townspeople that have a goal to, you know, um, higher the budget for, you know, better mm-hmm. streets and better school systems. And, or are you talking about, uh, your personal, um, group of friends that you can consider yourself a small community? Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That one's kind of a tough one. Yeah. This is, cause those all sound like wide. matters of scale, right? Cause you're yeah. sounding like, Hey, we're, we have the same goal. Cause at least the way that I'm thinking about it right now, you could have two people and it technically be a community because it's not just one person, but it's multiple people with shared goals, oftentimes shared values and beliefs, shared interests, right? And so whether it's one person on the island or two people on the island, you have a community who are both dedicated then to the survival of the group now, which is a group because there's two people, not just the individual. Yeah. Because then it wouldn't be a community if it was one person serving the other, right? So why do you think four people, does it just feel better, right? What what delineates the, because we talked about goals, like, oh, now there's, 
you extend the capabilities of the individual with more than one person. But again, that's just a matter of scale. So does that... Honestly, I said four because I like the number four <laughs> in this situation. Better than the number three. There's really <laughs> no deeper reason for that. Yeah, I guess we're, we're really asking what what makes a community a community, right? Is it that shared goal? I think and it's that probably that, yeah. Really? Because that's what Stephen pretty much distilled down, and that's what you just pretty much did, too. I think mm. what it comes down to, I think, having this is the start. Now, a community becomes so much more and mm. is more in-depth, but is that really what brings in? I think it probably is. A I can't think purpose, of so. Yeah, shared purpose, shared goal that, that yeah. continues to drive the behavior and, and actions of mm. each other. So right? just Googling the definition of community. I guess we could have done because, that. Yeah, that I, might have I, been easier. Of all the homework I did, I did not look up the definition of community. Um, so... You know, Isn't that just, what we're supposed to like every speech? Yeah. Like Webster defines we're, community as. We're like, what is community? What is Wait, I don't know. We're all trying to come up with our own version. Hey, maybe there's some actual intelligent people out there who know something. Uh, we're getting is, all deep. That would be like, some experience, well, though. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, so, community: a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common, or a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Well, he said characteristics. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a sense of community based entirely on characteristics, immutable characteristics even. Yeah. Mm. That you have, you know, no control over. Mm. And you are part of that community, true. you know? Yeah. It's a weird thing then. So uh, we talk about that and I guess leading to dicey territory, huh? Just diving in. Let's go. All right. Um, yeah. There are people who, who then it comes to um, skin color. Which is what we're really saying is, is hey, these people of, of have a certain skin color are part of a community. But then it also makes up that community is culture because people who reject similar cultural beliefs are also rejected from it regardless of actual skin color. Hmm. So it's it's an interesting thing is, um, yeah, does it, does it become mutable characteristics or is that the initiator that then helps culture develop in a shared background, shared history, shared lived experience? That then, yeah. that then truly actually makes the community not just that, but really that's almost like an entry fee. Yeah, it's multi-layered. Isn't yeah. It? Very much so. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously, like you guys are saying, we're, some of us are born into a community right off the bat, right? And yeah. not, I don't mean just family, but like you said, those characteristics that are um, skin color and culture. And then, I mean, even our roots a little bit talking about religion. Mm. I was kind of pretty much born into the religion that I believe. Right. Mm. And, um, there's almost two, there was, you know, to, to a point I didn't have a choice in that. Right. It was like a community I was born into. Then at some point I went off and did my own thing and had to make that choice on my own. But, um, yeah, it is interesting to think that <laughs> you can, I mean, really, it's your decision what kind of community you're a part of other than those. Because you have, <clears throat> you, like you said, you're born in this community of a Hispanic community. And it's based, you know, kind of off skin color. That How one seems a little bit different. you assume my <laughs> community? <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's 2023. Oh, Come on. I, what if I identified with the white community? I, How do you? I would say you were absolutely close to them. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Actually, <laughs> no. No, no, just a side, but yeah. Yeah, so you, but that community, is it actually, um, you know, it seems to be very culturally 
reliant in that specific one, right? In that specific community, as far as like being a part of that community, when you think of that, it's very cultural in that way. It is skin color, but it's also very heavily in culture. So are they deeply intertwined or is it even though maybe you don't have the cultural background, do you still feel a part of that community? Is that something you're just into? Oh, that's like a good question. That is, <laughs> you that sound, is so, a, yeah. you yeah. sound so surprised. No, it's just that was so like Ooh, it was, yeah, it was articulate. There was meat and like, potatoes. There was. Um, okay, so there's quite a bit to that. So you're saying. <laughs> I think what Chase is asking. My actually, question was not good. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, that's not it. I think because there was, it was so multi-layered that I'm mm-hmm. trying to like. Yeah, when you, you know, when I look out from the outside perspective, this is totally coming from there, right? right. And I know your background, and you grew right. up with that that cultural background. However, you also grew up, you know, and came around a religious background, and had yeah. this other the other thing that make you up. And it's when you look at it from your side, is the cultural and the immutable characteristics are they so deeply intertwined, or is it mostly the cultural that ties that community specifically, and the skin color less so? But again, the the immutable characteristics is also a prerequisite for that cultural understanding and background and acceptance into that community. Mm. Okay. I hope that makes a little yeah, bit better. No, absolutely. No, that's good. I think to me they're they're fairly separate, right? And I think maybe there's a majority where those characteristics are maybe more. Um, common, right? Yeah, Within, or on display. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I, that's not a that's not like a a big part of the culture itself, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, they're they're pretty separate. And I never there's aspects of our culture that might bring in the color of our skin, right? And especially with like the the Latin American culture, the Hispanic culture, th- color is. I mean, we can be every color within that culture, mm-hmm. right? You have you have white people, you have black people, you have brown people that really can be part of that culture mm-hmm. because it just ranges so broadly, right? Now, if we're talking about Mexicans um, specifically, then it narrows, narrows it down a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think they're pretty separate. And it's funny because obviously, you know, growing up, I felt a little bit confused with the culture I was brought up in just because, you know, I grew up with both sides and it was sort of bicultural Mm. experience. And so to me, I didn't put too much importance to it because it was just something that was a part of, of me and something that I was used to being around my family and being around the Hispanic culture. Um, but then I've mentioned this before. It was a little bit confusing because sometimes it felt like, uh, we, you know, we were stuck in the middle a little bit or we were like the worst of both worlds somehow. Right. I wasn't Mm. Hispanic enough for the Hispanic culture. Mm in the Hispanic community and I wasn't American enough for the mm-hmm. American community. Right. So it was like really confusing. Cause then I'm like, well, which community am I part of? Am I part of both? Can I be, am I allowed to be, am I, you know, and sometimes there was like, I've gotten judgment like from friends who are like, you're too white. You're too <clears throat> American to be, I said, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> no, you know, in seriousness, people who are like, Oh, you're, you're like, a whitewashed Mexican is what they told me before. And I'm like, well, first off I'm American. Like Mm. I was born here. I'm like third generation American. Uh, My mom's from Mexico, obviously. Mm. And so, yeah, we're heavily influenced by our culture and the upbringing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's odd to think of it. And it's funny that you bring that up just because I I had this conversation not too long ago with a friend of mine um, from work actually. And 
yeah, it's it can be a little bit rough sometimes yeah. feeling like you don't belong to either community, but then also being a big part of both. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is, that is so, like quite a yeah. conundrum. I had that same thing expressed to me from a friend of mine that I grew up with who was half black and half white. His mom was white and his dad was black and they had mm. three boys and three, well, two of them now, I guess, but all really good friends of mine. And they told me that same experience and it, it kind of saddened me to be honest, you know, mm. because, um, you want to feel belonging in your community, right? Yeah. But the the community that you think you're a part of, I guess, you know, well, Steve, you can tell, you just did, I guess. Yeah. Um, you don't feel so welcome from it. But that makes me wonder, especially in the Hispanic community, though, how much are we talking about, like in your case, Stephen, how much are we talking about heritage and kind of mm. continuing on that heritage? Now, does that mm. push you into a group of a community more? Like if you... <laughs> Oh, I don't know. What is, I don't know anything about it. Like you have like a, yeah. what's the, I'm sorry, really, this is bad, but no. what do you call the party that kids have when, like when they um, turn 15? Yes, yeah. that thing. Like if you have one of yeah. those, how much does that push you more into the community of the Hispanic community? Or in, out <laughs> yeah, of the, I got you. I it's similar to like the Jewish yeah. community. Is right. like you have a it's yeah. such a staple of that culture. Right, right. there's got to be there. heritage. There's got to be ceremonies and rituals that you, that you uh, continue on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, and that's a hard one because I think, I mean, especially for me, like my older siblings who are quite a bit older than I am, they got to experience a lot more of the Hispanic culture. And then I grew up a little bit more outside of that. And my influence was more American friends. And, um, and it's funny because my first language was Spanish. And then I got into school and that quickly, I quickly lost that because all I was around was English speakers. And so I don't know, to me, I feel like I get the benefit and it sounds bad, but of like pick and choosing. And I'm sure mm. that people are not happy about like, Oh, you can't just pick and choose parts of your culture that you want. And I feel like absolutely you can, because there's going to be negative parts to every culture. I think just mm. like there is positive. Right. And, and maybe people don't want to accept that, but there is. And even with stereotypes, obviously those can go really far and be- become prejudices. But uh, there are some stereotypes that are, I mean, founded in truth. And, uh, so yeah, I think for me, it's important that I, you know, like my mom makes tamales every Christmas. And to me, I'm like, I love that. Like, <laughs> because I just love food, but I'll, you know, like, but that's also, it's not, not just a Hispanic thing, obviously like that people make a certain type of food, but, um, for us, it's tied to her heritage. That's and, certainly a cultural you know, thing. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to lose that, right? Yeah. And she's getting older and it's harder for her to make them and it's very, you know, time consuming. So I'm like, I want to carry that on, right? Like if I were to have kids, like I would want my kids to have tamales every Christmas. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's a, a, maybe kind of a silly and small example of it. But uh, yeah, I feel like I get to like delve into both communities and both cultures a little bit just because I had the privilege of being a part of both. And that's like a benefit, right? It, it's kind of a, um, yeah, it's like a benefit. Yeah. It's like a benefit to me. Yeah. I don't know if you can say, Chase, but I, I have rambled on this to my gal before ad nauseum, is that I don't have a group of people of immutable characteristics that I'm part of. The closest mm-hmm. thing I've got is being tall and other tall people recognizing <laughs> me being tall and, of course, the expectations of playing basketball. That's the closest <laughs> I could get to. But I've got off to, to people like, oh, yeah, I don't... I, yeah. I'm not part of any... Um, oh, yeah, same for short people. The short people were like the Spider-Man meme and we see each other in the wild and we just both pointed at each other. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like um, white people have a... 
I thought about this for a while, and I because I, I have thought of this. I have a friend who's also Hispanic, and he's very he's very wrapped up in culture and past culture and history and things mm-hmm. and how um, almost lamenting like cultures and things that yeah, it's an interesting topic for him especially as an American, and it's not necessarily like white. I take it as an American specifically, and we have a set of a set of shared values, really, or at least founding principles that I that I feel really define our culture more than anything else, right? So it's not necessarily that you have to have this specific lived experience or past background or anything like that, because we really just came over here and built it ourselves relatively recently. We don't have thousands of years of history that we shared things. Now, granted, we do have things that we carried over. But we also like smallpox. Yeah. <laughs> Alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the reason why I'm trying to focus on the shared values rather than the contributions. <laughs> just just so, call it a melting pot. Yeah, yeah, that really is true. But that is why, you know, like um and it wasn't trying in our constitution, you know, like things were the founding fathers especially had strong beliefs and uh, principles of freedom and things like that. And we have these values that really tie us together and separate the culture because not every culture has then the same, the same value system as Mm. us, right? And to be an American, you don't have to come. You can come in here, become an American. And Mm. it's really about the principles, less about the background, less about the food that you eat, those types of things, because we have all over the country, different, um, traditions and things like that, just depending on where you're at, that are oh, going to yeah. be really strong. New York and LA might as well oh, yeah. be different countries. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Yeah. You go down South like Louisiana oh, and my gosh, there, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it, there's a huge range and that's all part of yeah. what I feel is like, that's just as American as anything else. And it's dope. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's amazing that we get to have all this, like one, I love food. So, Hey, I'm not complaining at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, it's more about saying, hey, you buy into these values, you, you buy into these beliefs, and you behave in these ways for, again, the shared goal that every individual has an opportunity here in some way, right? And now you're going to have different beliefs on this, and then I'm, so I'm sharing my personal ones and my very optimistic belief and sticking to those core principles and believing that they, they do have value and we should consistently strive for them, even if we haven't always lived up to them or do live up to them. Mm. But they are things to continually strive for, and that's really what binds us all together in that way is um, – yeah, the, those original principles that we continue to strive for, that that's what we aim for. Again, not that we always succeed and that we have a continual, consistent history of it always, but that we continually are striving for it. Yeah. That's a that's a good community right there. Yeah. I'd say. And there are some really interesting things like, so the Founding Fathers did have, they had, they had a belief that you have some civic virtues that are essential to like a successful community, which is that what we all are, but that's not just up to the national level. That's to your local level. Right. And that's where they really believe that starting closely as the family and then moving out to your little bit wider community and then out to your local community and then out to your state and then federal, Mm. right? Like all those things are tied together, but things like um, public mindedness. uh, So you had the public interests that are ahead of personal interests and the willingness to sacrifice for common good. And obviously from the very beginning of what we started with those, you know, started with a war that we fought for these things, right. And it required a huge sacrifice, um, things like virtue and morality, right. We have to have a shared virtue and morality so we can all work under the same framework to, you know, what we believe is right and good. 
um, active participation and civic engagement. That's even being involved in your local community and understanding what's going on and that you have a responsibility to then take part in it to ensure that it has a continually good progress. Um, respect for the rule of law, uh, respect for rights and liberties, education. So they, they're very firm that you should understand what is going on in country. Not that you should just live under here, but that you have a responsibility to understand. So then you can, you know, operate with these other virtues. Um, integrity. Yeah. Honesty, transparency, that kind of stuff. Courage, the same thing, doing what you know and believe is right, even though it may be difficult. Uh, prudence and justice, right? That we have laws and that there's a purpose and that doing what is just mm. is of paramount importance to a successful community. Because once you let go of these things, once you, once these things begin to unravel, the society and the community itself begins to unravel and you can't, I mean, it's, it's cliche, but a house divided can't stand. It will fall. And so holding these things together and you can really see things splintering Right. And these things are not all agreed upon. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult and you can understand why they thought that and why they strive for that. But the best way to do that. And they thought is to start locally first, right? You don't have to do it at that national level, but to implement it like we are here now is to build little communities first and then grow those and build them strong through these virtues. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So the under, there has to be a pretty strong undergirding. It sounds like, cause if you're drawing an analogy to, America today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Obviously things are really splitting and fracturing at uh, pretty scary rates and scary mm -hmm. points. You yeah. know, what we used to hold, um, universally true. Right. But yeah. we still need to have that. What is our undergirding now as a country? If you want to take a look at this in the macro sense as a, as a country, what are some of the, um, what are some of the ideas that we all still kind of agree on? Even if you could take the most radical person on this side of the aisle and the most radical person on that. That's a great question. I suppose nobody, I don't think, I really don't think anybody in their sane mind wants to physically hurt somebody. I think at the most basic level, I think people want to be I'm starting to think Chase is doubting that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's an interesting thing because the most modern people are not the most vocal and the most extreme people are the most vocal. So unfortunately, what's most often seen and heard is those most extremes. And it's really hard to differentiate then because it's it's like that becomes perception becomes reality. So until we have these people who are continually, you know, working and striving towards agreement, right? And, and who are voicing the moderate and, and consistently, I mean, to have these cohesive virtues, and to aim for them and to do that. If we only let the extremes do that, the per perception becomes reality. And we're proving that out slowly. Like I believe there's a huge portion in the middle of a group of people who are just like, what in the world is going on? But the effects of the extreme people are affecting everyone, even oh, yeah. though they may be small, even though they may be a small percentage. It's yeah. crazy how much effect they're able to have. Well, I wonder if we could take it back to the personal level and hear it, what mm -hmm. is something like speaking of the undergirding of our common, we, we, the three of us obviously have some, a lot, pretty layered level mm -hmm. of agreed upon. Um, also I'm almost positive. Steven wants to physically hurt me every podcast. So there's well, the real doubt. Yeah. That's on the top of the cake though. Below yeah. that, those other axiomatic. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do now. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things that you guys agree that you guys have your axioms that you, that are immovable things that you, both, all three of us agree on, right? But what is something 
let's say that I could do, or you've known for me to do that would change that? What would make you guys be like, we don't want him on the podcast. What is something that I could have done? To be honest, I don't, I mean, unless you murdered Please someone and you were like, <laughs> you went to jail, like, and you just, <laughs> but even then, really? like, even I then? would have someone, I think you still would, I would have someone on. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but, um, yeah, it's hard. Cause obviously like, we I can think, go really dark here, right? But yeah, uh, I think to your point, if you were calling for violence or something like that, right. and that was something that just what you did and firmly believed or something like that. Um, even with that, it might be hard to hard to say. It would be. That's what I mean. Yeah. Well, here's even a, having like the chance to, to have, have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was. If I could go on an anecdote, there mm-hmm. this was tried for me personally mm-hmm. in school. Hmm. And, um, I went to NAU and in my time there, I, most, if not all my friends were from the Middle East from, and from India too. And yeah, I made a lot of friends there and I had one friend who we go to the gym together. He was a great friend to me. Um, you would never guess his name. It's Muhammad. Who would you ever know? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's only one of three names. (laughs) But um, anyway, this this <laughs> we were we were pretty close, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he was very religious, mm-hmm. and I remember there being a couple times when it was a bit strange because he was very protective of his sisters. I, I was very, I wanted, of course, he thought I was trying to get at his sisters. Okay, I was say, but yeah. knowing my history, I was really just curious. I grew up with all girls. I'm not weird right. about girls. I wanted to. I wanted to know why are they dressing like that? Right. Why are they doing this? Tell me what yeah. your conviction is, right? Um, but he was always very protective of me. He was always very like, no, you can't talk to them. All this stuff. But anyway, we were friends for years and we'd help each other with homework. He'd help me with my Arabic and I'd help him with finance stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was at the time when that, if you guys remember that horrible, horrible shooting in Orlando happened at that mm-hmm. at gay club. Mm-hmm. And um, that was news of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was, um, it was on my mind. And I asked Mohammed, I was like, hey, like, what do you, like, what do you, what are your thoughts here? Cause I know he was very religious. Right. He, of course he wasn't, he was a Muslim. Right. And, um, he was like, Stephen, do you, or he calls me Habibi, but he said, do you, do you really want to know? Like I'm asking you, do you want to know mm-hmm. what I think? Cause mm-hmm. I will tell you if mm-hmm. you, you know, and I said, it's like a pause. And I was like, yeah, I think I do. Mm-hmm. And he came up close to me and he said, I think that was the will of Allah. And I'm very pleased that all those people died in Orlando. Wow. And that makes me happy. Wow. And I was like, Whoa, wow. that was a total defining trade role right, right then, you know, right. a good friend, you yeah. know, and that threw me into all kinds of thoughts. Like yeah. what, wow. who am I to be friends with? Like, can I associate with him? Mm. If he applauds such a horrible, right. horrible, horrible thing. And he yeah. doesn't see past people's humanity, you mm. know? Right. And, um, well, we're not friends anymore. I mean, we haven't kept in touch, but. And that was the turning point then. That, that, well, if I, if I were to be completely transparent, there's something inside of me certainly turned my respect right. for him as a, as a, um, as a, um, somebody who believes in their religion. I don't know what you call that an acolyte or something mm. like that. My respect for him as in his religion definitely <laughs> turned off. Like that is right. not cool. I don't care right. what religion you are. Right. If you're happy that people are dying, yeah. then it's done. Like, right. I don't, whatever yeah. religion you're, it's messed up. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. But at the other side of me was still like, whoa, like, why are you saying this? Right. Like, why, what makes you feel like this is okay? And maybe you want to dig into that. Mm. So it's more the domino that eventually it just became a separation that you couldn't, a, yeah. a divide you couldn't overcome. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. There was certainly a split there. I definitely lost some, lost some respect. But speaking on that, then I don't, 
I don't know if I'd want to include him if I could draw lines in the sand of mm-hmm. my community. Do mm-hmm. I want to include somebody like that? Is that? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big separation there becomes relationship. And you, get, you, you ask, coming on the podcast, right? Just because, well, right now, the people that come on the podcast, we have great relationships with, mm. right? And we do want to have relationships with. If it was more of an investigative thing, that would be different. But that's also a really great example of what I was starting out with in that your community that you start building, which you do have a friendship and you do start to build a community with and around you, include them in your local, you know, even if it's a local circle of friends, mm. that suddenly you have a belief that becomes more weighted, right? And the relationship, and regardless of what you built, that weight suddenly became too great when you understood that your core values weren't aligned. Mm. Right. And then your community couldn't stand that your, your one community, whether your personal beliefs, your personal values or whatever, that was more weighted than whatever friendship and whatever, you know, community you had with him and whatever was built around shared interests, shared um, experience, whatever. Right. And you start to notice then more, there are, now it might be grady or, um, what's called, um, just a range of gradient, yeah, gradient of, of, you know, how it affects it, mm-hmm. right? You can overcome these certain things, but eventually, and depending on how firm you believe these things, that we all have these limits where, you know, there's a rift that can't be overcome in the same way, right? Yeah. It starts to affect, even if it's not completely done away with, but it starts to, it, it, it changes things. Right. Yeah. Speaking of that undergirding, it definitely changed. It tweaked yeah. something there. Like, yeah. I thought we had a shared understanding. I always kind of saw myself in him too, yeah. as far as our religious background, you right. know, until he said that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, whoa, no, like we were, right. we're not the same. Right. Yeah. I'm not just yeah. a Christian and you're a Muslim. Like, no, there's right. something yeah. fundamental here that is much different. Yeah. And that I should also, I know a lot of Muslim friends that are not like that at all, I should say. Yeah. It was right. a certain sect yeah, of Islam that was particularly toward that way. Yeah. Yeah. All the other folks I know, wonderful, yeah, that's not a, loving, beautiful right, people. Right. So then- with that, do, do you feel, was that, losing that friendship, was that a true loss to you? Or is, was it just more the initial shock of like, wow, I didn't expect that. But, you know, in hindsight, it's better to not have that person in your life because of that. Uh, a tough question. That is a tough question. I couldn't, I can't honestly say I was happy to lose him as a friend. I can't say that. Yeah. Um, I was mostly devastated by his worldview. I, immediately, what I wanted to do was be like, like, Muhammad, let's talk about this mm-hmm. and let's really explore. Let's go talk to people on campus. Like, I need you to, because they were very secluded. You know, they're, him and his mm-hmm. little Muslim community mm-hmm. didn't talk to other people. He wouldn't let his sisters talk to anybody. And I was like, I was thinking, like, Habibi, let's go talk. Let's see the people of the world. Like, mm-hmm. the, everybody is, you can see yourself in everybody. You right. know, that's the beauty of being a human being it doesn't matter what background they are their sexuality their color their country you, you can find a common ground yeah. and i feel like he totally betrayed that when he mm. was willing to well that's where like empathy comes in right yeah and you can just connect with someone even if you are fundamentally different right but you can still connect or empathize with someone yeah and that's hard and yeah. And, and, and it's funny because this has been a theme of conversation between Chase and I and a few other people, but just that whole concept of like, when do you cut people out of yeah, your life? Right. You? And like, at what point is it okay or justified? Um, is it wrong? How do you go about it? And that's hard, especially, you know, in a community. And sometimes I think you feel a responsibility with certain people. Um, you think, 
I need to help them or I can fix them or I'm the only person they really have. And so there's, there's this pressure there to maybe keep a relationship, although it can be toxic or unhealthy. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. that's a tough thing to navigate for sure. That's a great question to explore. When do you, and this is, this isn't a written rule anywhere and no, there's no right way to do it, but when do you cut people out? That's a, (laughs) I like ask myself that still. Uh, and I'm not, yeah. I think there was a point in my life where I was very comfortable cutting people off left and right. And I was just like, well, and it wasn't out of like, oh, they don't serve me purpose and I'm getting nothing out of them. It was more out of like, it's just not healthy. Right. And this person's either toxic or they're just, right. their influence is negative. At some point and you got to look out for number one, right. You got to look out absolutely. for yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at least in that basic need of, um, yeah. When, when it's just a detriment to your own personal growth or your literally your physical well-being or yeah. mental well-being. I think that's yeah. totally warranted in that. Yeah. If you're, if, if you're becoming sick in mind or body from relationships, um, even, even if they are honestly, even if they are family or really close friends or coworkers, and I think you probably do have an obligation to yourself to take that oxygen mask first, put it on yourself before you help, you know, put somebody else in. Wipe them out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some kind of analogy there. With the, <laughs> what they like say with the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you can't help anyone else. Right. Out, then you right? can't help yeah. anyone else. Yeah. You can't. You're sick. You can't uh, what is it like? Fill from an empty cup, or what's that saying? <laughs> it's beautiful. I like that. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to right. Look that up. You can't like give from an empty cup, right? So right. yeah, like yeah. you have to make sure your cup is filled with water before you can try to give anyone else any. Um, and I think it's. In the context of community, too, it's an interesting thing. Um, well, in your community, I think you you do. I personally think you do have an obligation to uplift the people around you that you mm-hmm. love and care about. Absolutely. You know, and you can't do that if you're busted. You know? <laughs> busted. <laughs> That's just such a great so what are you thinking, Chase? I feel like your, your gears are kind of going with, the, with this last bit of conversation. No, no, no. I think there's, we could follow down a whole rabbit hole there and you, we, we have many times. Have many and so times. I'm also trying not to divert too much from it. So I'm looking at it from a community perspective. So then, all right then. So then going back to the question you asked us about what would keep you from like, what would keep you from coming onto our podcast? Hmm. Mm. Other oh, than that man. example that you like. I think most people that know me right now would probably say there's probably not a lot because I, I really like, like even to say, if you guys were like super messed up in some conventional sense, like oh, your we topics are. were crazy. Oh, like not that yet. If you guys, if you guys were like, well, actually, well, I'm not, never mind. I'm going to go there. But if you were into all kinds of like really weird conspiracy, I almost I'm want cons- you to go there. <laughs> okay. Nine 11. So the, 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 the second tower. No. So if, that that stuff I'll bite, but if you guys were into like dangerous kind of weird stuff, I can't say that I still wouldn't come on the podcast. I mean, I like I drugs? really like. I don't know what you're talking about here. <laughs> like, let's say, let's have let me think of like if you guys were into, um, I don't know. Well, you guys wouldn't be doing a podcast if you guys were like Skull and Bones members and like. I don't even know what that is. Like these old fraternal orders, like. Yeah. They, they, there's a bunch of weird yeah. stuff. They, they were do. like the Illuminati of campus. Yeah. Oh. They were trying, you know, but they actually were pretty hard. Or those weird about. owl group people up in San Francisco. Like, I don't, what would, what would make me stop from coming on here? Um, I guess if it smelled really bad in here, 
I would probably not well, come by. Chase is here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, you're lucky the nail polish smell really just overwhelms everything. Yeah. People might be confused about that comment. So we I think that's some kind of aphrodisiac, by the way. Like, when you walk up, like, walk through this. And now there's, like, like, a smoky yeah. smell coming in. The, the office building where we do the podcast in also has a bunch of salons and hair places, so it smells really strongly of nail polish and chemicals for Acetone, dyes and yeah, all that stuff. Bleach. I think there's a point where it's like, what, what benefit does it, same as, same as judging, you know, a personal relationship or anything. If you're coming on here and really there's no benefit, there's no value, and you're only going to cause harm to either your own reputation or something like that, get entangled in something that's not, not beneficial. I mean, I think something like a podcast is different than a personal relationship, Yeah. but still when you're looking at it and you're not wanting to harm whatever you're trying to do now, you can harm your own personal reputation. You can harm your um, business reputation. And so if it's, it's not in favor of one of those things or, or just being able to relax and have a good conversation, it's not done in good faith, especially if you know that it's not going to be done in good faith, then, you know, you can, you can be very cautious about doing something like that. And that's the hard part. I mean, I, I, we talked about it a little bit in the last one. Um, it's weird that we're on this podcast and the words are recorded and it goes out for whatever, right? So whatever you say here, not to intimidate anybody. It's eternal. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's out there, right? And it does have an impact and you still want to be cognizant of what you're putting out and what you're representing. Totally. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah. That's such a corporate word, by the way. (laughs) What's that? Cognizant. Oh, really? Yeah, it is. I don't think it, okay. oh, man. I forgive you. Now you you uh, you found out I'm I, just a I, corporate chill. I don't chill. want to be on this podcast. I'm going to see myself <laughs> out. I'm building up. To I a, hear that word like 50 times a day. Do you really? I do. I never hear For that. Them people just. I didn't just even know it was spelled with a Z until Google. I was like C O G N L M N O P. Like, yeah, Google's like what? what I'm just actually really dumb, so I was just an insecurity. I don't. Cognizant. No. It's so funny. Ryan knows about my dislike for this word too, so I'm oh, just gonna no, laugh okay. every so I'm just gonna I'm start. Really, I'm just gonna I'm abuse just gonna start, that word. Yeah, I'm gonna start slipping it into every podcast. Every, yeah. every podcast now. Like I'm just every gonna slip meeting it into I go to at work, they're like, "We just have to be really cognizant about the fact that other." And I'm oh, just like, "You gosh. said that word like 20 times in this meeting. We get it. You know the word." Well, were you cognizant of it at that point? I was. Yeah, a little too cognizant. Do you guys want to get cognizant later after this? Let's do it. Yeah. Is that like a new word for? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a new word for going to the gas station and getting snacks. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I'm definitely up for that. Then yeah. you know, yeah, guilty pleasures and all. Yeah, <laughs> you're one. Um, yeah. Okay, so then, so we've talked quite a bit about physical community. Mm. I really want to delve a little bit into. You know, these last 15 to 20 years have really changed what community can mean, right? So with that, there's been this expanse of online networking and having a digital community. And that's definitely right now gaming and social media for sure. But the pros and cons of that, right? Because obviously there was such a positive impact to how big the world got once the internet became very popular and prevalent in everyone's lives and became a household thing. And that's great, right? One, like, access of information you can learn right educational health things like that there's just so much positive impact to that um but when you're talking about sense of community 
there is some positive there as well. There was a lot of people, there's a lot of people who find belonging in mm-hmm. community, right? You're, you're, it's a lot easier to find someone with shared interests online. <laughs> um, and maybe that's just because your community is small, you know, whether uh, physically at least. Yeah, like niche. <laughs> right, niche, exactly. You kind of break down a lot of geographical barriers, right? And so yeah, you're yeah. able to to really, yeah, get niche with, with your hobbies and your interests and find people with those commonalities. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, positive there, but then obviously there's a lot of negative impact to that. Yeah. So It sounds like you want to focus on the negative impact. Yeah, I'm like, so the positive is like, that's great. So there's but- great stuff. <laughs> No, I mean, what's a positive for you guys, I guess, is what I'm leading to. That way we can just kind of talk a little bit about what kind of positive impact oh. is there for you within online community? Oh my gosh. So many. Yeah. Um, you remember my street fighter days? Absolutely. Yeah. Before being online, I couldn't find anybody who could beat me at street fighter for <laughs> nobody. <laughs> I go like, online. I was so good. I, I was find so anyone good. Okay. I can hadouken. being at the top of the Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eat my Hadouken, like, yes. left and right. Yes. Nobody in my house could beat me. Right. Nobody in yeah. your house could beat me. No one. And, no one. But you, I get online, an online community, and you're, you're put into perspective how mm-hmm. bad you actually are and how good you think you are. Yeah. And that puts you in just a, there's a wild perspective. Oh, actually, I'm trash. Cool. You know? And then that, you know, depending on your reaction to that, and any... And any, um, anything you do to put you in perspective, you have a, a way to climb up to become uh, better at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't become any better at Street Fighter. In fact, I retired when I got too deep into the <laughs> online communities. Okay. Just destroyed. Being that bad. some positive and negative there. You were like, it gave me new perspective and growth. And then I quit. And, then I, yeah, it was and too I was much. trash. You went... You literally covered the range of like what positive and negative. Street Fighter does for me now. It covers the range of emotions. Oh man! You know, yeah. Street Fighter is a representation of life. That's just all. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. yeah, I think there is a huge potential for, um, not limitless but near limitless growth. Right? It's like yeah. all of a sudden you're exposed to every weakness and and thing that you thought you knew, and that. Everybody around you who you currently have as part of your quote unquote community, you've, you've reached their full experience and level. And then all of a sudden the world has opened up and those limits are all removed. And sometimes you can realize, oh, there's so far to go. And it can kind of (laughs) like, it sounds like it crushed you. Yeah, it did crush me. I'm not going to lie. It's not worth that investment to go that way. I'm not studying frame data. Okay. To throw (laughs) a better, sure you can like game at our house. I could beat I could beat all the little kids there. (laughs) I could beat Ian at Street Fighters. Yeah, so that is a there is a huge benefit to that. Um, It can help you solve problems that were previously unsolvable. It can you know open up a bunch of doorways that just weren't weren't there before. Oh yeah, it's incalculable, huh? Yeah, really cool things. Yeah, Yeah, like who in the world would ever thought frame data? I would have never thought like oh you got to look at frame data to really analyze and see what's going on. I would have never in a thousand lifetimes ever thought of that. We'll go on a Street Fighter forum once and you will realize that. <laughs> you don't think about That's Street Fighter. That's the power fighting. of online community. <laughs> yeah. Think about Street Fighter. <laughs> the streets always make no. Um, <laughs> so um, it's a stupid quote from Fast and Furious, which I have not watched, but it is so ridiculous that I have to throw it in there. Oh, um, yeah, and then you think about the opportunities that we have with work now, right? Oh, you think yeah. about, online I mean, commerce you get to work yeah, yeah. I mean that too. But even just working remote, right? Like my team, everyone's remote. We work. So you have people all around the country that you are your coworkers. Absolutely, yeah. That's wild. That's so that's weird. new. That's yeah. wild. 
like I was trapped in this tiny little building before and now I get to talk to people who are in a different time zone and, and so that's pretty neat right and so that's I've never cool. physically met any of my team members really? ever that's not so strange wow. not at a conference or anything no because of a pandemic like um, travel has all been really restricted pandemic I'm just kidding I'm <laughs> 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 so scared um, yeah no Man. yeah there, there's definitely been a huge positive impact and even just um, how much you can learn on, oh, online yeah. now there's so much resource out there and so many people have become entrepreneurs and business people. And I think in a hell that we going back to even a smaller scale of like that small community. Right. And I think especially in those ways, it can be, it can bring such a healthy benefit and relation in people where they feel some feel isolated and feel maybe strange because of it. And then suddenly they have this group of people who are very niche and maybe not inside the norm and can really help them feel good and healthily process all of that. Right. And grow from it and continue. Well, you can find a lot of validation. Yeah. Right. Online. And And that's where I think a huge Mm -hmm. negative can be. Right. And there's, so these online communities, quote unquote communities are really great, but more often than not, they become very niche and they're like very, very isolated to this one thing. And suddenly you're exposed to this, this community where you do feel related to, but then it becomes something negative when the community itself becomes your identity. Mm. When you have a local community, your community is bound and, and deals with the repercussions of its actions towards you. Right. And you, you have to be more well-rounded for a thriving local community for it to be positive and to grow and to have a good impact there. But when you get online, it becomes very, very um, pointed. And all of a sudden this one thing that binds all of you together becomes everything that matters. And what you grow in is only to be this better thing, whatever it may be, right? All of a sudden you have to adjust to this because if you want to be more a part of this community, that's the only source of, of growth that they want to see there. Yeah. Right. Not necessarily because they're not bad. They, they're not responsible and they don't have to deal with the repercussions of, you know, what you turn into. Right. It's there's only no checks and balances. Nobody's there to check them and be like, Hey, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's like, like Hey, no, cool. that's not going to help you later on. It's not going to do this. All they're looking for is that you are, you know, more involved in this specific community. And I feel like that's become, like I said, when your identity becomes this one very specific thing and depending on what it is, it can be gradients of bad. Yeah. Right. It can become something very, very dangerous to yourself and the people around you. And I don't necessarily mean physically dangerous, but I mean that it's not healthy and that it becomes unhealthy and will continue down a bad path. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of, you know, that thing where it becomes very polarizing and then it becomes very divisive. And a lot of times people are just seeking validation and for people with the exact same viewpoint, and there is a lot of, uh, you lose a lot of perspective and growth when you do that, because then you don't get any diverse opinion or any kind of challenge. And at that point, there's no growth. And Yeah, yeah. you're not well-rounded. You may be growing right. in one very specific area. Right. And like you said, there's no, there's no real growth, because if you only grow in one direction as a person, oh man, that's so... It just seems like then what happens when that thing falls? What happens to you when? Oh, you're devastated. You yeah. Know? And those yeah. people do horrible, sometimes devastating things yeah. to other people, you know? Absolutely. And I, actually, I mean, a good example of that is church, honestly. And and, and that sounds really negative, but I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that, I mean, growing up, my identity 
was in church, right? I was just a religious kid and Mm -hmm. it was all about church. It wasn't a personal relationship with God or my own personal faith or spirituality. It was very church based. And part of that was because I didn't know any better. And part of that was because that was a community. It was about how much you can contribute to your church community and, you know, how much you go up to sing or how much you're involved or if you're the new camera guy or if you're a musician or if it was all about position and, and feeling good about yourself. Right. And sometimes it's not just about feeling good, but, uh, and so when I lost that, excuse me, <laughs> he fell off his chair. Everyone. <laughs> just pull the mic down here. <laughs> just feel a little baby crying. Um, so yeah, when, when I lost that sense of community, my identity was so tied into that, that it was yeah. devastating. Right. And I felt completely lost and I felt, um, without direction completely. Yeah. Right. And then there was a pretty rough patch of me trying to figure out, well, who am I? What do I actually believe? Um, bitterness gets involved there. You start suddenly thinking everyone's a hypocrite or that every mm. church is the same or that. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that definitely can happen even within your own community. Right. I what, think if you're not careful, what do you think you, you talk like that's a past thing that happened and it's since been resolved, I assume. But what mended that? What patched that up, you think? Was it joining another community or finding a new position within it, contributing more? What was? Uh, I, I, I mean, a few things. So I think, for one, I had to really separate um, my identity from community-based things, right? I used to be a person who, who heavily relied on uh, relationships, um, social groups, Church, to identify yourself. To yeah. identify myself, right? I was like, oh, I, I love being around people. I need friends. I, I need to have a sense of community. And it became kind of my everything, right? And so uh, when those communities fail you uh, because they're imperfect and because every community is going to, you know, is fallible, it just, and I was young, obviously, so I give myself grace, but, you know, I had to step away from that and then realize and then I had to turn around and give grace, actually, mm. myself, right? And be like, well, community is made up of people. Mm. People aren't perfect. And, yeah. you know, if there's no checks and balances to keep people um, in, with a good common goal in the right direction, then, yeah, I think things can go south quickly. But uh, so, yeah, just a little bit of personal growth. And then once I joined a community, whether that was church or another, you know, relationship or group of friends, I think I had to just be very cognizant. <laughs> oh, I cringe. Um, no, I just have to be hyper aware of the fact like, all right, I, I need to have a healthy uh, perspective on what community can be and what it shouldn't be. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I did eventually find my way back to a church community and, uh, and yeah, it was just a, a totally different perspective hmm. and I, I viewed it a lot differently at that point. Uh, I had a, maybe a more personal relationship with God myself as well and uh, a lot more grace for myself and for others as well. I think yeah. you don't take things as personal, you know, once it you sounds like a, a maturing type of, yeah, uh, yeah. And it just takes a bit of maturing and sometimes, you know, you can't have that without right going through some of those things. So, yeah, that totally makes sense. Cause when you're young, you can, it's so easy to fall into resentment for somebody for not doing something that you think they should do whether it's caring about you or doing this or yeah, doing Chase, that. like, why didn't you reach out to us more when we first moved here? That's He's all off in the Marines. Never <laughs> my phone. I have you, you in my phone twice. More cognizant of the two Stevens. I have <laughs> <to> <laughs> uh, 
No, actually, honestly. Um, oh, no, don't. Don't, don't, don't start. start. Oh, my don't gosh, start. No. I was totally kidding. Um, <laughs> no, and then obviously there is. <laughs> no, I might uh, need to actually know. clarify that. No, I, I um, when I was younger, I didn't really think, I don't know. I let things naturally develop. I don't think there's, I, you know, I don't, I definitely could be better about reaching out. I just also don't think that I, I, I don't know, like, I don't know. You guys had an image of me, Steven. I know you had an image of me, but that mm-hmm. image was not what I saw at all. Yeah. Right. Like I just thought I was just pretty much the least and whatever. Hey, I just I a kinda, fly on the wall. Yeah. I just kind of hung out and didn't have too much impact or anything. Wow, that's yeah, that's interesting. How the perspectives, how everybody has different yeah, perspectives. I got here and I was like, he's that popular kid. Like everyone thinks he's so cool, and he's like the good-looking guy with the V-neck and big arms. Like, <laughs> and it it was a pretty deep V the first time I met him. It was a deep V. It was a deep V, but he didn't have hair on his chest back then, so it's okay. So it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. He was too young. <laughs> no, no, no. And, but that's honest. Uh, jokes aside, that's part of those like insecurities of being a person, right? Like I had this perception, and he was super nice. Like once I got know him he was like one of the first people to introduce himself um and reached out and he like messaged me on facebook and was just like hope you're enjoying flagstaff you know like he was super welcoming and nice <laughs> and then me and my friend were like dude this guy's so cool like uh, you, we can't hate him you know like yeah. and well, uh, darn dang it <laughs> but now we hate him because he's like too good yeah. um, not the that's weird how those perspectives that we have that are not validated at all. We act on them. Absolutely. Unconsciously. Yeah. But that's part of the, that thing, right? Yeah. Where it takes a little bit of maturing to realize like, all right, like. They're you know. pretty much looking at the world almost the same way I am. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody's well, really that different. young, you know, like. Oh yeah. When you're with kids, young yeah. viewpoint and, um, but yeah, no. It's, I think it's interesting the difference but in communities too. Like what, like religious communities are different and they, they work under a different set of rules and expectations versus something like work, which has its own set of rules and expectations. And now that we have these online communities, they all have their own, right? Everything works slightly differently. And it's, it's really interesting because you started with what made you think about community Mm -hmm. was those two religious examples. Yeah. Um, and I had some stuff written down of just that, like when you look at the people who, claim that they are Catholic, for example, right? And you said they don't really, do they believe the structure of the religion? Do they, do they actually believe it? Or is it, you know, is yeah. it just like, oh yeah, this is just what I am. Um, even if they don't necessarily practice, right? Is that still what they believe? Even if they don't necessarily live the life, is that something that affects it? Right. And that's why they stay with it. Yeah. I guess my perspective, if you are part of probably coming from my religious background, but if you are part of a in this case, a religion, then you practice the religion. Mm. You do the ceremonies, you do the rituals, you're in it. Mm. You don't just say, yeah, I'm that, you know, mm. that's from my perspective, but obviously that was not his. Yeah. And I think some of it is, um, especially when you're raised on it, it can be a pretty powerful factor in life going through mm. it because it becomes the lens in which you view things like right and wrong, just basic things like that. It's where your perception of what is morally correct is based on. Yeah. And so it's easy to go back to that of why you need a standard of why you have this thing of that. It, it's how you view the world and how you operate within it. Right. If you believe that, um, stealing is wrong based on your religious beliefs and you, there's something to it, then you're going to operate on that way for the rest of your life. And, and it's an easy way then to 
it's almost a way to abstract, right? You don't need to decide moral yeah. virtue daily, right? You don't need to look at every aspect and you can say simply that, hey, I operate under these yeah. the, these principles. You're like exporting the decision. It's like, yeah, I don't exactly. have to do with this. This is what I know. This is what My I moral believe. compass is calibrated this way. So it's easier to stick with that and wrap it under something like Catholicism or, or Judaism or Christianity and say that, yeah, this is just what I believe is you know, correct. Right. Yeah. And it becomes, yeah, just how you are, you know, it's it your, just becomes how you operate. Which it's kind of nice. It is, but at the same time, it's a very lazy way. It is kind of lazy. Oh, yeah, not um, saying it's correct. Yeah, I think it definitely is. I mean, and I say that because I that was me for years, right? I was like, oh, this like I just need to do what everyone else has been doing right. for me, and it's easy, and I don't have to make decisions, and you don't really explore, well, why do I believe this? Do I believe this? Um, so then you become what we would call like a lukewarm Christian, right? And you can apply that to anything, a lukewarm employee, a lukewarm friend, a lukewarm- Street fighter player. A lukewarm street fighter player. And it's like, there you like be hot or be cold, right? Um, I think you have to explore that and discover those things for yourself. And then you can be, um, because what you're saying, right. If you're going to claim that I would say, yeah, if you're, if you're correct, then you will engage in the belief system, right? If you're going to claim that you're a part of that, then you'll engage in the, the, the rituals, traditions, the beliefs, and then get, you know, look more into it. But people are funny because they, people seek comfort. People don't try and go outside their comfort zones. And one of the things that is really fascinating to me is that most people, overwhelming majority of people live in the same hometown that they grew up in. Even if there's wide range of opportunities, experiences and everything else, like 80, I think it was like somewhere like 80% of men live in their hometown. Even if they moved away temporarily, they came back. So even though they've experienced, right. So they'll go back to that comfort and the same thing in that you have a religious belief system that becomes just what you grew up and what you know to um, a greater extent, what you've been steeped in, Right. And so it's easy to to just stay there and people do that naturally. Mm. Um, It's the same thing. I mean, I left and came back to my hometown. Now you both are a little bit different and and you've adjusted, but I'm back here living very close to where my parents grew up and it is comfortable. And I'm not even necessarily a person who likes to stay in his comfort zone. So I obviously have different reasons of why I came back and feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, but it is human nature to stay what your what your comfort zone is yeah for good or for bad yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it kind of goes to that i mean even a little bit just the old you know actions speak louder than words thing right like i claimed i was a christian my whole life and um just considered myself such a part of that ideology and belief and um but then there's responsibility to claiming those things, right? There's now, is there? Yeah. To, absolutely. Like, I can call myself a friend to Chase all day long, but if I don't act like one, then you're uh, there's no accountability. Yeah. Right, you're a hypocrite. And mm-hmm. I would have to take responsibility on my part to actually be a friend instead of just calling myself one. And that would apply to, to anything you, you, you claim to be or claim to, to be a part of, right? And so... I mean, that was a case, that, at least for me growing up, was like, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and, you know, school, can't yeah. smoke, I'm a Christian, can't drink, I'm a Christian, but then it was a very lukewarm life, and I was doing other things, and also not fully committed to the to that lifestyle I was claiming to live. It was and, just comfortable uh, to claim it. Was it was just comfortable to claim it, right? Mm-hmm. It was easy. It's like, oh, my family made that choice for me. It's kind of easy to just fall into that. and. Uh, but it takes yeah. action, huh, you're saying? It takes yeah. something from you. Yeah, especially in 
Christianity, and mostly because experience, right? What we know is that Christianity does take something more intentional, right? If we believe that it's a personal walk, and you talked about it a little bit before when you left and you did these things, but when you realize that Christianity is actually the community portion is is for other benefits and for you know doing these things, but true Christianity is just a personal walk is you know, getting to know Jesus Christ more and, and building that relationship, then Christianity makes a little bit more sense and it's easier to make sure that you're being intentional about it. Um, How is that though? Because that personal walk can be so different for so many different individuals. You know, mm-hmm. it could look different. It could look different from the outside. It could feel different from the inside if you could, mm-hmm. you know, even measure that. Well, look at John the Baptist, Right. He's a major figure in the Bible, but he did not live around a community. He was not taught by yeah. teachers. He went out into the wilderness. He's a wild man. And wild that's where, man. like, when it becomes a personal walk, what you do and what, what you do and what you're supposed to do is, is just listen to him, even if it doesn't make sense. Because if you looked at a human perspective and said, so you're going to go live off locusts and honey in the wilderness for years and years, like, how are you going to become closer to whatever? Like, how are you going to do that? But if it's a personal walk and there's a purpose for it, and John the Baptist was then meant specifically for a purpose and was kept separate for a reason as a forebearer to the coming of Christ, mm. then I that's that's separating yourself from what my ideas are and what his plan is. And his plan and his ways are not our ways, and they're they're unknowable to me because I can't see the full picture. And that's why it's better to listen to him, to go, operate in that personal walk, believing that he is every single step a part of and making sure that it's for my good. Well, I wonder if John the Baptist himself felt any guilt or anything like that about not being with the people, mm. you know? Mm. I'm glad with a community, this community you know? right? Because I, I think what that delves into a little bit as well is like purpose, right? And having a purpose and then living your life according to whatever you feel called to. To, to do. And, and for some of us, that's, uh, you know, um, trying to exemplify Christ and living a Christian lifestyle. Some people aren't religious or have God or faith in their life. And that might be something else, but it still applies to that fact of not living like a lukewarm life. Right. So I think it, it, it's easy, uh, for people to again, be lazy and just kind of, kind of coast on life and become complacent. But that shouldn't take away from the fact that people should find, uh, their calling or, or their purpose, right? In the least. And seek it. Exactly. I, and I think that's it, right? It's like, as long as you seek it, because yeah, who's then ever, you'll, you'll discover you find it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think in the John the Baptist example specifically, I always look at people. Yeah. We hear the story, but they were still people. So mm. I'm sure it, there were times where it was lonely and maybe he did feel guilty about not being there for his family or his community. Um, especially as a, I believe he's, Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was Jewish and, you know, that was, he was related to Mary. He definitely had a group of folks. Which is very strongly community oriented. And so I'm sure he probably struggled with that because he still had the human side. Now that's part of it is that you let go of that human side and you, you commit yourself to your purpose, right? Believe he found his purpose and he followed that through and he gave up those human side of things. Not that he didn't struggle with them and probably failed at them at times, but yeah, it's a... yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, because even now, I don't know this directly, but listening to a Jewish scholar one time was talking about um, Judaism, and I've always 
if you haven't noticed already, I'm very fascinated by how different religious groups operate. Mm -hmm. And Judaism has been around for almost the longest out of all of them. So there's got to be something there that they've got right. Mm -hmm. Something that, I mean, even today, it's a very strong community, Mm -hmm. right? And, um, but anyway, this Jewish scholar said that was talking about um, some of the important things in Judaism that they observe, right? Of course, they have the um, stuff in the calendar, like Passover and all these things, and what Hanukkah, and they're, they have um, these dates that are symbolizing these things that happened in their past, right? And there is your theology, you know, you need to be studious about, you need to learn, you need to read, you need to know what it says. Mm-hmm. But then the one thing that really struck me as strange was that community is actually, and this is another part that fired me up about this, when I heard him talk about this, he said that being a part, an active part of your community is just as important as these other things. Mm-hmm. You don't drop this, you know, you, you are active in your synagogue, you are active in your city, you're active in your state, you yeah. make a conscious effort to be part of that as and the way he talked about it, he made it sound like it was just as important mm. as observing mm. Passover. And I was like, mm. oh my gosh, like, mm. is that maybe part of the reason why mm. this particular community has lasted thousands of years, Yeah, you know, without mm-hmm. much change? Mm-hmm. Could that be part of it? Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And what then it made me think like, well, if that, if the, if the Judaism has been around for so long, they've got to be doing some things right. Mm-hmm. What can I do mm-hmm. that they're doing? What can I emulate mm-hmm. to do better for myself? Right. And that's got also what sparked this whole thing up and made me wonder about local politics. Like what mm. obligations do we have here? Right. Do we, I don't know. Cause yeah. I've always been kind of standoff. I've yeah. always, I don't like politics. I don't like to participate. <laughs> right. I like the drama of them, Same. but I don't want to touch it. It's like, Ooh, yeah. you know, but maybe I need to, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a, yeah, it's an interesting, it's interesting. So I'll start with the Jewish community as far as that goes. So yeah, it's definitely intertwined deeply into what they believe. And oftentimes why their communities are so strong is they're very um, geographically co-located and not only for just belief purposes, but for practical reasons, mm. um, things like for, for they all have to eat kosher food, right? So there have to be um, food that's specific, specifically prepared and specific types of food. And not everyone does that around. So it's easier to find that if you live in a Jewish community because mm-hmm. the Jewish community is going to make that type of food and they'll create their own markets for that. Um, another reason is for education, right? They are meant to grow up and be educated in Jewish fashion and Jewish belief system. Um, and same for religious observant for the Sabbath. So for example, like on the Sabbath, they're not supposed to use cars or electricity. Now you're also supposed to make it to the synagogue that's much easier to do if you live close and have yeah. to walk to a synagogue. So there's practical purposes that do make it easier and continue to build on it. And I'm not saying that's the main reason, but I'm saying their entire culture and belief system is built around uh, building towards that. Yeah. Like the practical reason, the, um, on what they believe is the good outcomes, like the being involved in the community is for a good purpose, right? They believe that it'll, it'll drive good outcomes, and so it's just deeply intertwined into what they believe and how everything in their culture is built. And now that's strictly speaking about um, like uh, uh, religious Jews. This doesn't necessarily mean that you know all of them do Jews, that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Sure. Well, they got something right, as far yeah. as I can tell. And I think a lot of other groups could emulate that. I don't see Christians doing a whole lot of that in my experience with Christianity. I don't see a lot of community outreach, mm-hmm. a lot of wanting to make a good difference. 
mm-hmm. in your local mm-hmm. communities. Mm-hmm. Personally, I know there's a lot, quite a few church groups that do that here in town, and God bless them for it. Yeah. yeah I know a few, actually. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely an observation I've seen, for sure. Yeah. It can be very... Um, it's like kind of building own, walls. Like, yeah, we're in absolutely. here, like don't touch us, bubble. keep the world out, yeah. you know, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's completely antithetical to what we're necessarily supposed to be. Now, we're not necessarily supposed to, like you talked about politi- politics, we're not necessarily supposed to be involved in that. However, we are supposed to share that. Right? We're not supposed to be just locked into a little little ball and do that, even if it's just to be a light, to be, as you mentioned earlier, Stephen M., <laughs> a representation of Christ, right? Like, he didn't go around to only his, his people. Now, he was sent to the Jews, but the people that he reached out to were not people that you would typically look at and see, oh yeah, that's a person who I would see as redeemed or saved. That's a great thing about it. That's one thing I like about Jesus. You know, he, he did all kinds of stuff with all different types of people, you mm-hmm. know, and it's yeah. a great spot to look like if you, I mean, I would, I don't think I consider myself a Christian at this mm-hmm. point in mm-hmm. my life, but mm-hmm. I've got a huge amount of respect for Jesus. Right. Like mm-hmm. he did a lot of, like even as even if you take it as just a story, right? There's a lot of great things you can learn yeah. from it. Yeah. And when it comes to the world and being a Christian, separating yourself, this quote from Jesus, mm-hmm. I just think is the most gangster thing that he's ever said. <laughs> when I forget who it was, the people came up to him. They're like, "Like, yo, what are we supposed to do? Like, Caesar's coming, taking us all of our money. He's taxing the crap out of mm-hmm. us. Like, what the heck?" Mm-hmm. And Jesus was like, mm. he picked up the coin. He's like, "Whose face is on this?" Yeah. They're like, oh, Caesar. Give to Caesar yeah. what belongs to Caesar, yeah. mm. but give yeah. to God what belongs to yeah. God. Now that is yeah. a, it's, yeah. he could have wrote a rap song on that or something. <laughs> it is a very It was a good, cool thing yeah. to say. Yeah. How funny. I mean. Render under Caesar what Caesar's. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. We, yeah. we just yeah. heard this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Huh. There's yeah. a, there, and that's part of it is like for Christianity, we're not necessarily part of this world. No, we operate in it. And so you render what's, you know, render under Caesar yeah. what's Caesar's. Right. We are, we do live here and that's theirs. Like that's the world's. Yeah. So I'm at it. Like our job is not that. So. That's yeah. a great way. He's part of the community, but he's also yeah. set apart in the community. Yes. That's such a, that's a great dynamic. Yeah, I always love that. Well, it's like, and then how, I mean, how do you, if our goal is to draw people in and how do you do that when you close the doors yeah. or don't go out? And, um, and yeah, I, I think that's a huge, a huge part of, of true Christianity at least is, yeah. um, is practicing that. Right. And, uh, yeah, it is a shame that most of my examples have been otherwise, you know, growing up for sure. Yeah. Our, like our community, even here in Flagstaff, like, I mean, there's there's quite a few like homeless people here and a lot of disadvantaged people, and it's a sad thing to see. Mm. And I yeah. wonder, like, yeah, like yeah, why are we supposed to do? We, I mean, as hum, as humans, are we supposed to do something? Or mm. as Christians, are we supposed to do something? Or as Flagstaff yeah. residents, are we supposed to do something? Like, which well, cap are we putting yeah. on when and you yeah. hand this person yeah. a five dollar bill? Or right. do you do that? Or do you right. buy them a sandwich? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Or do you just right. you just do it as Stephen or Chase or Stephen? I guess, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's where that division, that divi- I had to learn that division, right? Like I wasn't just doing it because my community has called me to do it. I wasn't just doing it because I was expected to. I wasn't just doing it because 
this or that. It was something I felt called to do, right? And so at least if I honor that, then, There's, you know, yeah. like, hmm. um, because then when that question comes up, then I'm like, what should I do? What would my church do? What would my family do? What would this, you know, and it's at that point you're, you're setting your identity, um, within that community. And then you're right. going against your own personal conviction or, or so it's calling. gotta be what would you do? What would I do? That's what you're saying. It came down to. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, right. Depending on what it is, but yeah, I think that's when it becomes a personal relationship, um, and a personal thing because I, I can't rely on my community. I can't rely on my church and I can't rely on, um, my family to be doing the things that I I feel that I should be doing. Mm. And so at that point, um, yeah, I think it's a good thing to, to follow that kind of conviction. That's a great example of how your community shapes you, you know, like what you were just saying before you had this kind of enlightenment in your own religion, you know, you were, just kind of mirroring what everybody expected you to do around you. And that's also what you thought they expected you to do. It may not have been what they expected of you. Right. Right. And that's, what's always recently been making me, I've been so cognizant of, <laughs> we, we should have had like a, uh, um, like a, like a tick, uh, what is it called? a counter. Yeah. A counter. <laughs> yeah. Cause I heard another, they, you know, they say that your income level is the average of the five people you hang out with most. You know, I've also thought about that. I'm like, on poor. <laughs> <laughs> How do I befriend rich folk? <laughs> right. So um, these people obviously have influences on us. And oh, it makes me kind of be a little, a little too aware of it sometimes, you know, like when you hang out with somebody like, maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't hang out with this person. It starts to make me think, you know? Yeah. I don't feel that way with either of you guys, by the way. <laughs> I think you guys are good influences on me. I mean, you're recently coming back to hang out with us, so that could change pretty quickly. You can be like, okay, I welcome it, dude. Because I want to be more like you guys. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. Uh, no, I think that's a great thing when you ask, like, what responsibility do we have as mm-hmm. a person or as a community or as a church or as this or that? And I do feel like there should be a call to action. And this is going to sound really negative, but, like, when you bring up, how you haven't seen maybe like Christian churches like do community outreach or help. It's like sometimes you don't even see that within the congregation themselves. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even see them reach out to their fellow brother who's sitting behind them in the pew. Right. Mm-hmm. And it can be very cliquish and it can be very um, segregated sometimes. Right. But that's just because people are people and people yeah, are going exactly. through their own things and people are going sure. through their own struggles. So it's like, well, have I, have I reached out to mm-hmm. the person sitting in front of me? Right. And at that point, like I, I it's just a whole separate thing. Right. It's like, yeah. I, I can sit around expecting someone to do that for me all day, but it's, or for my church to do it or for uh, my family to do it. And, and eventually you just out, you kind of grow out of that and you realize like, well, then I'll do it. Right. And yeah, um, yeah absolutely. I think I should have reached out to you, Chase. Should do, and people <laughs> should do more, you know, like I do think, I can't ever think of a situation where you like, I can say I'm doing enough outreach on, mm-hmm. on a small scale or a community local scale. Like I would be very like, you know, puffed up if I'm like, yeah, I think I'm doing enough. Yeah, I think exactly. I, I think I've reached out to Chase enough <laughs> or I've reached out to some my person. I think I've given enough homeless people a dollar bill. He does reach his charity quota. You know? Yeah. A, a dollar bill on my way to go eat sushi. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I absolutely think that like we should be putting our best self 
ourselves forward and holding ourselves accountable to, to do outreach in every sense of the word, not just Christians, not just mm-hmm. our family, not just, just because it's good. That's the right thing to do. It makes yeah. your community strong. Yeah, absolutely. Like I know there was plenty of helping hands for me at times and mm-hmm. you know, I just, why wouldn't I want to try to be that? And I think sometimes, so there's a few, and I, I'm coming only from a Christian perspective, right? So Christians are often viewed as like, oh, they think they're oh, holier than thou, and there are people who struggle with that. But like you said, they're just people, and everyone's going through their own things, and even if you don't see it. And the perspective can get lost in thinking that, oh, Christians now, they believe that they're just right, and they're all this, and they're not. For me personally... No, I look at myself and suddenly all of my flaws are highlighted, right? Like I look at, I'm, I'm faced with those every day and see how short I fall in things like outreach and things like that. And I can't, I can't deny it because the Bible says it because I'm, you know, it's held up and reflected every day. Mm. And for things like, um, like outreach and to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And here's another hard part is that a lot of that is done without being, viewed and notified, right? It's not like people don't advertise it. And I can speak personally that I've been given and blessed by people, but they would never, I don't even know who they are. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's, yeah, because we're also not supposed to be about the, the goal isn't to be about us. The goal is to highlight Christ. And I have been thinking, right? Like, Oh, Hey, you know what? Just get a feeling. I should probably go give that guy, um, a few dollars or give him a sandwich. And I don't know what will come from that. It's me. <laughs> Give me your money. Every time it's me. <laughs> but, <laughs> Give Steven a sandwich. <laughs> he looks like he needs to eat. <laughs> no, it's operating under something that I, I do what I'm supposed to do. And I, I look for opportunities for it and try and, you know, do those same things. But I don't know. It's this weird thing. Like I'm trying to, trying to do what I'm told to do. Even if it doesn't make sense, I won't always look at it and it'll make sense to me, but I, I'm also trusting then and putting full faith that he has a bigger plan because sometimes I think, oh, I need to do something myself. I need to do this and I get in the way, right? And I can cause harm that way from a, from a, a personal belief in a Christian, you know, Christian perspective. If I believe that Christ has everything and God has everything under control, he provides the people he needs to do something for the benefit of where it's, you know, when, when something needs to be done, he provides the people that he needs to get it done. And I listen for those things when I'm supposed to do something. Now it does take action because that decision is still on me to listen and then to act and do what I feel is what I'm supposed to do. And also trust that he's working enough in the people around me and my, my brothers and sisters that they are being guided and they're listening just the same. Now it doesn't abstract responsibility. I'm not trying to say that. It's just the perspective of where I come from when I'm approaching, trying to do what I'm supposed to do and not take on the personal responsibility that I need to fix this or that, but really go into it prayerfully yeah. and look and say, how am I supposed to operate? What's the best for this situation? Because if I believe that he is under control and then I try and inject my own purpose and intent, I can get in the way, but I don't want to do that. Even if my intent may be good, my actions may cause a negative reaction for someone who is supposed to do something or may not be the best for the person who is going through something at the time. And that's a scary, that's a scary thought when I'm thinking maybe they're supposed to go through something. Maybe they're supposed to, um, reach a different destination there. And I get in the way. Now that doesn't mean that I believe that I can completely subvert his will. He'll get his way around it, but I can cause 
damage. I I have agency uh-huh. in what goes on. Yeah, but could you realistically actually cause damage to God's master plan? Could you no. actually mess it up? Not, no, but I can get in the way of what he actually intends initially. But it'll right. never stop him from getting what what he wants to get no, at the end anyway. He'll do it. I put it this way, like, it's, a, it's an extreme example, but if I am going through Starbucks and I see a person and, and I feel like I'm told to go and just say, hey, you mind if I pray for you real quick? Or, hey, you... You here, take this Bible or something, right? Mm. And I'm just like, nah, that's not, you know, that's probably nothing. I don't need to do that, or I'm busy, or whatever else. Then, oh man, wow, that is loud. What yeah. is that? Is that a helicopter? The helicopter, the zombie apocalypse is starting. <laughs> that was great. So, if I'm supposed to do that and I don't do it, and that person suddenly goes down a really hard road when they could have potentially been saved or, or, um, push down the right path from that action. Now down the road, they go through all sorts of hardships. And again, it's an, it's just an, a hypothetical extreme example that then they go through drugs and they go to alcoholism and they go through all this stuff and then come back to them later on down the road. But if I would have gone and witnessed to that person or done something when I was told to, maybe they wouldn't have gone, maybe they wouldn't have had to go through those things. Now, am I responsible for every decision that person makes? No, but I'm responsible that I didn't do what I was supposed to do at the time. And there were negative repercussions that are even outside myself that came from it because Mm. we don't live in isolation. We're still bound by our cause and effect. We do have an effect and agency in the world, right? And that's why I believe like if he's under control, my job is to listen to him because his perfect will is perfect and his plan is perfect. And if I do what he says, and and Moses is a great example in the Bible in that God told him to go and speak. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I can't do it. I'm, you know, I can't speak. Learned, yeah, yeah. I, I can't do it. And God got angry at him. God told him what he was supposed to do. And he was angry at him because he didn't listen. He still provided a way. They still went and did what they were supposed to do, but who knows what was changed because of it. None of us will know. And, but there could have been a different course of action. Now, again, like he made it happen. It will happen. His will and his plan will be done. But that doesn't mean that we do everything perfectly and that he doesn't work around our own shortcomings because we don't listen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think when it comes to um, those kind of deeper, more impactful uh, decisions about evangelizing or reaching out to someone and you feel a specific um, pull or calling toward that and listening to it, absolutely. Um, I think it's more about like those small everyday decisions that we can do, right. That maybe won't necessarily, um, you know, be a big thing. Right. But just those small, like everyday, um, compassionate kinds of things. Right. Like, I don't think we need to wait for uh, a Mm -hmm. voice or or, or a calling, right. To tell us those kinds of things to do where at least on that part, it should be on us to, to be better, right? And granted, obviously, that's very different from from having um, an actual like purpose or calling, yeah. or you feel like the Lord is telling you, like, "Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to be my hands and in my eyes and in my ears. You know, I need mm-hmm. you. To, I need you to be this for me at this moment." And then listening to that, obviously, is um, very different for sure. But I, I do. Do you think that's fair? Is there any part of that you think where where God, if you're making a decision to do something or to not do something? Let's say it's helping somebody that needs, or you see an accident on the side of the road, like you can drive by or you can jump out. Even if you know everything's okay, jump out and 
people get messed up and they get very anxious in an accident. You know, they could be shaking. I've been there, you know, it gets very nerve wracking. You could, that person's going to be physically fine. You could drive by and they're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Or you could get out of the car and go to them and reassure them, Hey, everything's fine. They're shaking. They're freaking out. Both of those outcomes are going to end up probably much, pretty much the same. The person's going to go home. They're going to get an insurance payout. They're going to get a new car. Everything's cool. Right. But this whole God's plan thing, Mm -hmm. I tend to think in my own naive way that God is looking more at what the decision you are making. Mm -hmm. Like what is, what is this person? What is Chase going to do in this situation? Mm -hmm. I don't, either way he does it, we're going to get to the same end result, Mm -hmm. but let's see how, how Chase plays this. You know, what is he going to do? How is he going to, um, the question to ask seems to be, you know, what would Jesus do? What you ask yourself in those type of situations, right? It's very simple and childlike, but I've always kind of, no. I've, I've liked that, you know, it always, mm-hmm. it seems to be a clear cut answer when you ask yourself in a difficult situation, mm-hmm. what would Jesus do? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, oh, that's what he would do. Yeah. Right. I think being raised in same as Catholicism or something else, right? It gives you that framework of the way that you're supposed to behave and act and said, mm-hmm. you're supposed to reach out. You're supposed to do right thing right and you can look at exactly and say oh what what should i do here what's the morally right thing to do mm-hmm. and especially based on what you do and yeah i, I don't want to get it confused and think oh every step i'm like oh just oh don't do that oh, i didn't hear anything don't yeah, do that like, no oh. yeah <laughs> most yeah, of the time no, it's yeah. <clears throat> it's like you know do the do the right thing right yeah. if if you see a situation where you can improve unless i'm told something completely otherwise right. which i've never had right i've never had a situation where something like oh don't go there or don't do that necessarily um, mm. that's not entirely true. No, I have, but you just do, you know, mm. you can effectuate yeah. change in yeah. any, I mean, you guys mentioned that whole string theory stuff in that other episode. Yeah. Like as a whole, yeah. The butterfly almost, effects. Yeah. yeah. Anything yeah. you do could have yeah. wildly different of. outcomes, you yeah. know? And yeah. if there's a God's plan for everything, are they accounted for all those outcomes or is, see, that makes me want to conclude that, He's looking at the end result, mm-hmm. at the end of your life, which could be a predetermined date and time. What does you look like now? What What's in your heart then? Yeah. What are your convictions? Mm-hmm. What have you learned through this whole crazy journey on this planet? Yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And I guess if you want to go to the Christian perspective, there's one thing. And then if you're looking at that, either way, he knows the end from the beginning. So, yeah, he does look at that. And he knows already what decisions we'll make. That doesn't mean that we don't get to make the decisions. But... He does look at the end, and that's where he knows what choices we'll make. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, you could take it down a real thought. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a whole rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it all does have to do with community. See, everything has to do with community. That's the it problem really with the beginning and the end of this <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <is laughs> you can go any which direction. You can go a million different ways, yeah, because yeah. It, it really is such a... It's what human beings like, are, yeah. yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even in the beginning, Adam was lonely and needed... Yeah. Someone. He needed a community. Yeah. <laughs> he needed a commune. He needed commune. He needed communism. I would have been fine with <laughs> He needed communism. <laughs> Maybe he didn't need that. Oh, he needed communion. <laughs> That's what he needed. Yes, yes. I love it. Communism. <laughs> Yay, communism. Yeah, so I'll clip that. <laughs> I love it. That's Com- going on now. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. <laughs> oh man oh. I forgot the wit it's been a while oh well and the charm yeah 
I didn't forget Keep it. Keep going. I didn't forget it. And the good looks. It's just been too long. Yeah, it's been no, your problems. It. Yeah, <laughs> the muscles are new, though, so that's a great surprise. <laughs> I always saw them there. Underneath. They were just underneath. I had to chip them out. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine are there, too, somewhere. One day, they'll, they'll be there. Yeah. No, this has been really, really great. And I, honestly, we do kind of need a part two. If nothing else, we need to have you back on because yeah, it's been a lot of topic. fun yeah. to talk about yeah. anything at all. I am so pleased. I can't even tell you guys. Your oh, deepest, like, darkest secret? Huh? My deepest, deepest, darkest secret? secret? No, I'm not ready for that. Part two, maybe. <gasps> oh, okay. Yeah. Part two. Okay. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be the after session. After we hit record, we'll, we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. We always end up talking for a long time afterwards. Cool. I already feel so... I, I feel so... I don't know how to explain it. I was t- trying to tell Chase before, but... I feel at home when I hear you guys. I feel, I don't know how, it's like a something that I feel like I'm in a place that I know and it's familiar and it feels good. I love that. You know? And that's, and to be here with you guys on your, on your little project here is like <laughs> such a privilege to me. Honest to God, it is. Oh, no, it's man. honestly, yeah. it's, it's the reverse. Yeah. Uh, um, we're still, I'm always shocked when people do yeah. genuinely want to listen and hear. And the whole point is just, conversation yeah. and really getting to sit down with you is a true privilege. Oh, thank you very it much. It really is. It is. And I'm just ashamed I didn't do it sooner, to be honest. Yeah. I am ashamed I didn't reach Same out to you guys. My, so. my outreach, Speaking it definitely is outreach, good to highlight. Like You're in my phone twice. Am I? Yeah. Oh. One as Steven Martinez and one as Steven Martinez. Oh. <laughs> Are those both spelled the same? <laughs> no, Martinez. Martinez. Oh, Martinez. Gotcha. That's me. That was my, that was my name for a long time. Martinez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this will just be a reminder to me. I need to reach out to folks. Part of your community. You know, you, you make your community We're around you. Six months later. Yeah. I'm like, dang it. I forgot. I I've been another, trying to have lunch. Another with- 10 years. <laughs> Oh my god, that would be hilarious too. Either one of those outcomes would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah, really. Thank you for coming on. We do appreciate it. We love You're people, having welcome. people on, and this has been amazing. So yeah. definitely having another uh, another session with us. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I need to com- commune with you a little more. Yes, let's commune. No, we need this communist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, comrades. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Love Have it. a good one, everyone. Thank you. Mm-hmm.